January 2020, the first suspected case of COVID-19 was detected in the UK. Since then, more than 125,000 people have sadly passed away. But it is also estimated that nearly a million people are suffering from the long-term effects of coronavirus, something often referred to as long COVID. The medical needs of such patients vary greatly with symptoms ranging from extreme fatigue, shortness of breath, dizziness and joint pain, to name only a few. If you or one of your patients has long COVID, you'll understand how completely life-changing it can be. I'm Bogdan Kivadjurka and you're listening to the Personalized Care podcast brought to you by the Personalized Care Institute. Together, we explore how you can work with patients to enable them to have more control over how their care is planned. Today, we're looking at how that approach could work for people suffering from long COVID. Nuffield Health run a rehabilitation program that blends physical and emotional support to help people recovering from the long-term effects of COVID-19. And testimonials are impressive to say the least. Being able to see others progress has been inspiring and had a major positive psychological impact on me and my recovery. It made me realise I'm accountable for my journey back to better health. To discuss the programme in more detail, I'm joined by Davina Denischik, a GP and medical director of Nuffield Health, and Mark Hall, a physiotherapist at Nuffield Health, who supported the development and delivery of the rehabilitation programme. Davina and Mark, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you both with us. And Davina, I'll start with you first. Can you give me some background about yourself and Nuffield Health, please? Sure. I'm a GP by background. I'm medical director and charity director for Nuffield Health. And Nuffield Health is the largest healthcare charity in the UK. Um, we do integrated care. So we have things like fitness centres, wellbeing centres, medical centres, hospitals and diagnostics all across the UK. And how important is personalised care to you personally, but also to your organisation? really important I think as a practicing GP and we've also been speaking closely with patients for a long time and really understanding what they need and I think personalized care gives us that framework to have those conversations but it's something as we started doing more health promotion and community-based work where it made me realize that actually It's people outside of traditional settings like, for example, our fitness experts who are having these day-to-day conversations with patients. And it's that opportunistic um, conversation that can also can can quite often prompt change. So personalised care for me is really important to try and engage and get that behaviour change um, across in particular health promotion and communities. Thank you, Davina. What do we know about long COVID and how has that knowledge changed over the past 18 months, I guess? It's been a changing picture. So it was April last year when we started to see this 
condition happening, people perhaps weren't feeling well after the two weeks that they'd been told they would be feeling well. And we were seeing quite strange presenting symptoms at the time. And that's when we started thinking about that unmet need that might be there and actually who could cater to that given the fact that we were in the middle of the pandemic and healthcare was was really, really busy. Just recently, we've started to see varying presentations around long COVID. Um, so we're seeing that people who aren't accessing our rehabilitation are remaining unwell and remaining unwell for quite a long time. There's a cohort that are feeling extremely fatigued and breathless, but there's also a cohort we're seeing where they're getting some neurological disturbance, um, sensory disturbance, things um, such as brain fog, they call it, um, inability to concentrate um, for times. So there's some quite distinct presentations that we're now starting to see within those sufferers of long COVID. That's very interesting. So naturally now I'm eager to find out more about the programme. Can you tell us more about your programme? Our programme was developed as a pilot in early 2020 around in particular that need where people had ongoing symptoms post-acute COVID that weren't medically in need of secondary care or primary care in terms of management, but were too unwell to self-manage. So the programme we created in collaboration with NHS, with healthcare workers and experts and participants themselves is fundamentally a 12-week multidisciplinary rehabilitation programme that's quite unique because it's delivered in a hybrid model. The first six weeks is virtual and the second six weeks is face-to-face. Can I just ask, why did Nuffield Health get involved and, and to collaborate and to support the NHS at that time? Nuffield Health has always tried to make sure that it is supporting access to all care across all requirements. And at the time, when I started to think about the long COVID programme, it was when our hospitals were supporting the NHS efforts. We were sharing workforce. Our sites were pretty much a satellite ward of the local trust. And we started to see that actually half of my estate fitness was closed um, due to lockdown and due to fear of transmission and I had a lot of skilled workers and facilities that could really support with the national pandemic efforts. So as the UK's largest healthcare charity what I was looking at was where is the greatest unmet need where we can have a national impact and that's why we started to really support long Covid and understand how we sit with the current infrastructure in that space. And Mark, let's bring you in in here, because as a physiotherapist, you have really played a crucial role in developing the programme. What's um, your background and what has your role been as part of the programme? So first and foremost, I'm a physiotherapist by background, been qualified um, for about 17 years now, um, joined Nuffield Health only about six months before the pandemic commenced. But when COVID-19 did did start, our physiotherapists were indeed seconded out to our hospitals. We uh, redeployed them out to NHS trusts and we had our physios delivering a virtual service as well. So my role in it was to head up the clinical work stream. So we had a GP 
GP, we had an external professor of cardiovascular rehabilitation, we had physiotherapists, we had remedial instructors, uh, we had cognitive behavioural therapists, psychological practitioners. Um, we all come together to form this working group and we had to base it at the time on existing guidelines that are out there for cardiovascular pulmonary uh, viruses and rehabilitation. It soon became apparent that this was some type of virus we'd never dealt with before. It was a virus that we were seeing, you know, conditions affecting the the bone, the joint, the digestive system, our our brain, our fatigue levels, our breathlessness. You know, it was, it was a multi-organ uh, condition that we just had never seen before. So trying to design a rehabilitation program was a slow and steady one. This was going to be a dedicated fitness product based on existing guidelines and nice guidelines for cardiovascular pulmonary conditions. And then quite quickly, we realised it wasn't just going to be about, about exercise, it was going to be about all of the other components to the programme that we've designed. And really, we were focused on breathlessness and cardiovascular fitness. We were touching on the anxiety, but we thought the anxiety might be more linked to, you know, lockdown anxiety. You know, we were seeing people struggling with lockdown, people going out of work, furlough. So we actually sort of talked more around the anxiety being um, a social anxiety as opposed to a medical anxiety off the back of the condition. We also had fatigue, um, naturally, and we did have joint pain as well. So they were the kind of four or five things that we were focused on in the early days of designing the programme. <clears throat> Lo and behold, you know, you fast forward 10 months now and the data is showing 54.7% of people with long COVID are suffering from fatigue. You've got 40.5% of people uh, with long COVID suffering from breathlessness. 31.3% suffer from muscle ache. And finally, you know, the alarming one that Davina's talked about already is at 28.5% of people suffering from brain fog and concentration issues. We wouldn't have predicted that back in back in May last year, but they are the four things that are very much coming off the back of long COVID. And fortunate enough that our programme is designed around enabling people to rehabilitate from those four elements of their, their, their COVID symptoms. That's incredible. The, the, the programme really describes the power of inter and multidisciplinary teams working together uh, to, towards the shared goal of keeping patients healthy. I, I can truly see um, that the programme has been co-designed by involving people and embedding core principles of personalised care. What was the patient input and how has their feedback influenced things? Involvement in the patient voice at Nuffield Health is very important to us. You know, it's it's great to have clinicians come together to design programmes, but unless it's going to be utilised and fitting to the participants or the patients, then um, it, it's useless, really. So involving the patients the best we can um, is vital. And, and it's really important that you'll hear us interchangeably talk about patient and participant. And one of the reasons we talk about participants in our COVID-19 programme is They've probably gone through the medical cycle before they get to us. And actually what we wanted to do is try and normalise rehabilitation and bring rehabilitation into everyday functional lives. So what we decided to do is change it from patient and, and term it participant for that reason alone. And I think when it comes to the programme, it's a 12-week programme. They also have access to an online hub that they can download content from uh, both PDFs, 
webinars, uh, podcasts, activities, etc. Um, and then the latter six weeks is at involvement in a typical class, you know, not necessarily a fitness class. It's more of a, a class where they're coming together in a gym setting in one of our um, 112 fitness and wellbeing centres. Some components of rehabilitation, some of it is conversational therapy, you know, in a circle talking about their experiences. Um, And that's why we we designed that program in the way we did. And that was based on the feedback from the pilot. So if we rewind to September, it took us May, June, July, August into September to design the program through a medical and clinical perspective. And then the first participants came live in September. And in September, we had our first cohort of individuals. They joined the program after their first six weeks. We involved them in focus groups. And that focus group was undertaken by an independent company using you know, virtual ways of working to undertake focus groups. And we had, I think, about 18 participants in the focus groups giving their feedback on what they liked, what they didn't like, how they found the the user uh, experience from the hub, the user experience of the journal, the um, actual content of the rehabilitation. And then after the final 12 weeks, we then used the same participants to feedback to us how they felt the last six weeks went. And the changes to the content from the pilot after listening to the participants changed a little bit. We changed the online hub to make it more user-friendly. Instead of all the content being available to them from day one, we actually kind of phased the content throughout the 12-week programme because people felt they were very much empowered to read about the content, listen to the podcasts, listen to the webinars, but almost overwhelmed by how much activity and how much um, information that they had available to them. So for the main rollout in January, we actually put it into weeks so they could see exactly what they needed to do in week one, week two, week three. And for us, we, we wouldn't have got that without listening to the patients present that. We just thought... Let's empower them with everything that we've got, everything we want to share. And in fact, the NHS mycovidrecovery.co.uk does a similar thing. That's all uploaded there in in bulk um, to allow people to read it at their leisure. But actually, what we've now done is the way we've broken it down absolutely made sense. But from a clinical perspective, it doesn't really matter too much clinical clinically. But from a user perspective, it made absolute sense. The next one was we were having discussions about if there was to be a second lockdown, a third lockdown, which indeed there was. Could we deliver a virtual service from weeks 1 to 12? And actually, clinically, the outcomes that we were gaining from weeks 1 to 6 were preferential. There were some good improvements in people's outcomes at that point. But actually, the real feedback we got from people was the camaraderie people achieved in those weeks 7 to 12 when they were meeting people in person. They were in the gym setting. Yes, they may have not been doing any activity or fitness activity, but they were in that circle of support listening to other people's experiences they were meeting people who had similar fatigue levels you know similar breathlessness um, experiences and that's where their anxiety and their mental health outcome scores really went through the roof they they improved um you know incredibly really and so we from a clinical perspective were saying you know maybe because of lockdown and risk etc we might need to transition this into a purely 12-week virtual service and the feedback again from those participants led us to go actually 
We designed it for a 12-week program split into six lots of weeks being virtual, six being face-to-face for a reason. And they're telling us the reason why we designed that. So, you know, we decided against going virtual again. We designed it to be six weeks virtual, six weeks face-to-face for that reason alone. You know, that camaraderie people gained. The WhatsApp channels people designed, you know, we didn't facilitate that for obvious data protection reasons, but they did. They took it, you know, there was a natural ringleader within all of the cohorts that came together to collect people's numbers. And some of the testimonials references the camaraderie, the WhatsApp, the late night chats about they've tried, you know, a certain tea that they, they, they help them sleep because they've struggled to sleep. You know, all of the things that we haven't produced in our hub or produced in the journal, these guys are sharing between us. And it's incredible to listen to. And that, in fact, the, the, the terminology participant that, that I led to um, came from the focus group. People felt they were a member of the gym on a rehabilitation program as opposed to being a a medical ill participant or ill patient. Um, So all of that, you know, wouldn't have happened without the um, vital input from the the participants. That sounds amazing. And Davina, now I know there were lots of people involved in this as well. And I want to to hear a bit more about um, the people who got involved and um, how important was it to listen to to people when piloting this program through? When we started designing this program, people didn't really know what long COVID was. So we were starting to talk about it. There was very, very little in terms of anything to do with literature or evidence base around how we should start it. We had some knowledge, obviously, because we've done rehabilitation for long-term conditions before nationally, but long COVID was new. So for me, the most important thing was to actually speak to people suffering with it. What do they need and and how can we support? But also to pull on what we've already learned from other rehabilitation program so I had an expert in cardiac rehab I've had physio experts in pulmonary rehab sitting alongside it we worked with two NHS trusts who were treating acute COVID and starting to see long COVID playing out in these um, post-discharge participants and they were fundamental basically to help us with that referral and, and care pathway um, and it's the participants themselves who was just giving us such unique insight. For example, it was them that came up with the hybrid model. We were in lockdown. There was a fear over COVID. And they were saying, don't make me leave my house. This is my security blanket. Let me do it virtually. Let me do it remotely until I feel comfortable enough again to actually go outside. And they helped with that hybrid model. That's fascinating, Davina. And how did the pilot go in the end? It was really good, the pilot, and really successful. Um, We had to tweak a little bit in terms of participant feedback. Um, Length of phone calls, for example. If you're fatigued and you're breathless and you've got brain fog, um, speaking to someone for for an hour or so is quite difficult. Um, So we were learning things and tweaking things as we went along. Um, People, our our physios doing the upfront triage, um, weren't used to long COVID. It was a a new skill set and condition for them. So getting those to network, holding multidisciplinary meetings with them, sharing cases was really, really important to make sure that patient safety um, and outcomes was there from the start. So we had to 
tailor it and tweak it, but fundamentally it did what we set out to do on the tin. Um, people felt less fatigued, less breathless, significant reduction in anxiety following the programme. And we had anecdotal comments around feeling like they've got their mojo back or feeling like they were now able to go back to work or now able to play with the kids. And, and that's the rich insight. They're the outcomes you want. Now, Mark, you previously mentioned some incredible feedback from patients. I'd love to hear some of it. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, if I could read this out, this is exactly, you know, what we aim to do. The COVID recovery programme has proved invaluable in aiding my recovery. It has helped me realise I'm not unusual or alone in the way I've been affected. And it has provided me with a support network that motivated me to attend as many virtual or physical meetings as I possibly could. Being able to see other progress and advance throughout the course has made, has been inspiring and has a major positive psychological effect on me and my recovery. And this one is more around the physical health. So it has made me realise I'm accountable for my journey back to better health. I can't make physical symptoms disappear, but I now know if I can eat regularly and eat well, drink enough water, look after myself, read the right things and do the right things, rest when I need to, I know that I'll make myself feel better. This is what we wanted to achieve. We have had to, we designed the programme to allow people to empower themselves, to look after their health. You know, we know at the moment that after 60 days of the illness, 30% of people have still got significant symptoms. So they're in it for the long run. They can't be, they can't have their hot, their hands held the whole time throughout their recovery. But if we can empower them and educate them, signpost them and um, give them the tools that they need to for, you know, recovery in the weeks, months, possibly even years. We don't know. But if we can empower them and give them all the tools in their toolbox, that testimonial just, you know, makes it all worthwhile. The 10 months we've been working on this. Thanks so much, Mark. This really is amazing. And I, I really think it will be inspiring to our listeners. Now, Davina, many of our listeners represent healthcare professionals who would like to develop their personalised care skills to support other people um, suffering from long COVID. Do you have any practical tips or personal reflections from your programme which are applicable to our listeners? I think the biggest frustration or fear, actually, we've had from all participants is they can't understand how they're still so poorly. They've been told that this is a short limiting condition for most and, and you will be fine again. So in some way, they feel a bit like a failure. They feel that they should have been doing something or should have been doing more or in some way it, it's kind of their fault a little bit. Um, so that reassurance has been really, really key. Um, listening to your body, working within your energy envelope, I've seen people that want to get better, think that they should be doing more and they push and it absolutely fatigues them. So it's really important and there are scales out there that you can use, but but listen to your body, um, take it very, very slowly. To some degree, some of our first movements, it's not an exercise program, it is very much around movement, but some of it may literally be sitting up. <laughs> and standing up or sitting back down again keep it really basic um but what the participants really say they like about the program 
is the sharing. We have participant groups, we have networking, they will talk about their own challenges and problem solve between each other. So if you are someone that is suffering, don't do it in isolation. There are lots of support groups out there. Um, local GPs, primary care have access to them as well. There's an amazing Facebook group out there. So talking about where you're at, um, I would say if you're not on our program is a great way to start. Amazing, Davina. And now eager to hear your message for our audience who are wondering how this might be relevant to their day-to-day practices. Um, so any day-to-day tips for the healthcare professionals listening today? So I think my my tips is there are programs and support out there. People with long COVID feel quite lost, lost sometimes and unlistened to. So being that ear, I think, is is really, really important. Um, and it's affecting everybody differently. That there is no textbook. I've I've said that we're seeing kind of a few different presentations of groupings where you can put symptoms, but everyone's journey really, really is unique with this, and please do respect that. Wonderful. And Mark? With you know, one million individuals reportedly suffering from long COVID, just over a thousand people we've touched is it's not even a small dent into it. So number one would be if, if you if you are aware of any patients or if we can support in any way, then get those referrals in because you know let, let's get more of those testimonials I've just read out and let's get more people experiencing that. And I think the second one for me is around lessons learned for how we've designed this program from a multidisciplinary perspective. If I rewind fifteen years to undertaking you know respiratory rehabilitation in a hospital there was no signs of a psychologist or a a cbt therapist being involved in those so all programs going forward it's going to be very much multidisciplinary it's going to be designed with various different clinicians um, contributing but more importantly it's going to be around patients uh, participation in designing those programs and i'm going back to the program as well now how can people be referred to your program This is one of the things we learned from the pilot, because when we designed this, we designed it with NHS Trust, with primary care, thinking that you would go into an acute environment and then be referred on. And of course, healthcare has been predominantly done remotely. It has been difficult to access for some. And filling in a form with a busy healthcare professional um, is adding again another admin burden. So actually, people can self-refer. If you want to get on the program, you can go on the website, complete the form. We will double check with your primary um, healthcare team that it's right for you at this time. And you will go through a physiotherapy clinical triage before you're accepted. um, But you can self-refer onto the program. It's completely free of charge and all part of the charities giving back to the UK to try and rebuild a healthy nation. What are your ambitions um, for the future direction of the program, I guess? Where next? Where next for the program is we've just agreed that any site, any of our sites that want to run the program can. And so we have just granted all of our sites more funds to be able to start the program and launch it. We are actively feeding into the national guidance around long COVID, sharing our data, sharing our findings to try and help others start to build some rehabilitation programs. But I want to partner. We've got a lot of Um, information um, and protocols around our training, our development, the actual pathway. It doesn't need our bricks and mortar and our people to deliver it. We can support others um, to have a greater impact. 
Mark and Davina, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a great pleasure to have you both. And I look forward to repeating this podcast, hopefully in a year's time, where you can tell us about the expansion of your program. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Bogdan. What a great vision for the future. I really look forward to hearing more as the program continues to develop over the coming years. My many thanks to Davina Denixchik and Mark Hall for sharing their expertise and for inspiring us all to embed personalized care into our daily practice. Their long COVID rehabilitation program is a superb example of patient involvement, participation and co-design. For more information about the Nuffield Health Long COVID Recovery Programme, head to the episode page where you can also find links to the Personalised Care Institute and several helpful resources. See you next time.